Welcome to the Triple V Podcast. Welcome to the 24th of July, 2022 Town Hall. For those on our streaming services, this podcast is split into two parts. For a seamless experience, please cue the second part of this podcast. Uh, welcome, guys. Thank you very much for listening in to Town Hall 10. And first of all, I want to welcome Crypto Girl, Exeg, and Squabba to our team. I think you guys have already noticed the names turning blue. Um, all of them have provided us with tremendous value very pretty much since the beginning of VVV. And they have supported us, especially during the period of preparing for the Mint and when sending out the NFTs and fixing the metadata and so on. Um, they have really put in a ton of hours and have worked through day and night to make sure that everything um, is working out and that everyone is getting their NFTs uh, as soon as possible. Squaba has been one of the most active academy mentors, has created the most homework, has engaged the most of the students. He has been uh, yeah, pretty much our godfather of the academy, so we are very glad to have him on the team as well. Uh, he has also <laughs> swept the floor and I, I believe is currently one of the biggest uh, dolphin holders of VVV and his support is very much uh, appreciated. In addition to the new team members, I also want to thank Tracy for the great work with Niels and with Orki. Uh, I know that this has been completely selfless, um, but still, we had, Tony had a call with Niels recently and got overwhelmingly positive feedback relating to her efforts. So we definitely have to give her credit as well, because that, that's really what everything is all about. We don't, want, we don't just want to put in money, but we also want to um, nurture those relationships over time. And it's really great to hear how, how much Trace's efforts have been appreciated by Niels. And speaking of Niels, what you might have noticed as well is that he has dropped a potential deal in our Orki channel. Uh, the company is called Gepek. And what we will do is we will arrange an AMA with them. Uh, that's probably going to get scheduled in the second half of August. Um, our researchers have reserved opinions about the, the industry and the concept of the company itself. Um, but given Niels' brilliancy, and especially Orki's incredible progress in the past couple of weeks, we are very much looking forward to turning this into one of our first Shark Tank episodes. Now, the next point, uh, just a, a couple of reminders. Um, first of all, please remember to verify your roles in Colorblend. Next one is ideally you also adapt the new name format, meaning first name, and then you have a separator, and then you have your handle. And you can easily do so by setting your custom server nickname by right-clicking on the VVV server and then adjusting your server profile. Next one would be to change your Discord and Twitter banners to the ones which we have provided in the recent deal announcement. And lastly, um, we would be very appreciative if you guys could put on the notifications on Twitter and show us some love whenever we, we post something which you like. As you know, we're working on expanding the marketing currently and getting the support of the community is pretty much the first step of everything. And now before we jump into the very next deal, um, I want to introduce uh, another utility to the shark and whale holders. It's something which you have already done in the past. Um, we want took out a loan from the whales to prepay the Kingdom Raids deal at the time and to pay for the NFTFI deal at the time. And we paid them, I believe, uh, a pretty high APY for the loan. And we paid everything back, uh, I think, like within eight weeks. But everything was paid back uh, in well within the time frame. So what I want to introduce next um, is the liquidity pool for whales and sharks. And I will announce that in writing soon. You will have two options. You will have the option for a six-month loan 
at 10% APY and you will have the option for a 12 months loan at 12.5% APY. And that additional liquidity will be mainly used to bridge the gap between closing the deal, paying for it, and arranging the event for the community slash collecting the funds from the community. Um, for us, it's beneficial if we have more freedom in closing the deal and arranging it for the community because then we can time it better with the marketing and with the phase two mint. And with that additional flexibility, um, there comes direct and indirect benefits for the holders as well, uh, where I can't promise that it will have an impact on the floor price, but having a more structured and uh, better, like having it more structured and having more um, room with the timeframes makes everything a lot easier for us on the back end. Um, that being said, we don't need the additional liquidity, so there's no pressure for anyone to participate in this. Uh, there will also be limits per holder, so each way will have a limit of how much they can put in, and each shark will have a limit. It's really just an additional value add for you guys, where if you want to take advantage of that, uh, you can feel free to do so. And we also have a variety of cash events lined up, which will ensure that the interest payments can be met. Uh, as you know, we have the phase two mint, phase three mint, phase four mint. We also have the blockchain fund uh, NFT mint, and we also have the blockchain fund institutional investor race. All of those are going to commence within the next six months. So um, all those cash events are going to happen before um, the interest payments of the first loan. And now I'm going to hand it over to Tony and to Andy. They will present our next deal they will guide you through the available pitch deck and um, they will share everything with you uh, which you have as information there's a couple of proprietary pieces of information as well as the full pitch deck which we cannot share yet but rest assured all of the info uh, that's in uh, that's in there is all 100 percent positive and extremely bullish perfect thank you sean the next deal we have lined up is a very interesting project called Peak. Um, they closed their round a few weeks ago, but we managed to fight our way in. Uh, these are a internet, sorry, a economy of things project. Now, what the economy of things project is allowing for a larger use case outside of the internet of things. So it's to how we see it is as this kind of next step of, okay, you've got these shared devices that are all interconnected, but then a further aspect where it makes it that little more open sourced and also makes the use cases of each of the devices a little more free depending on the hardware ability of said device. So we had a very interesting con uh, chat, sorry, with the, with the CEO a few days ago. Uh, Andy uh, and the team had an initial discussion with Peak uh, relating to the technology itself. Uh, they asked some very uh, poignant questions. And then Sean and I jumped in a day later for another call to just kind of solidify the, the whole thing. Um, there are some aspects which we feel that are important to important for the overall development of the internet of things network and this works well with uh, one of our other partnered projects which was part of my discussion with uh, Niels yesterday from Orkiverse as we feel that peak could offer Orkiverse that added um expansion where there may be a method to allow for any device that has the hardware capability to also become a lighthouse for the Orki project. So every time we do a raise or every time we look at a project or company to invest in, we try and think of various ways we can already incorporate the current projects we're partnered with. So it's not that it's rare, but at the moment, what we try and focus on is, okay, we've got this company that we're looking into discussions with. How can we incorporate these other businesses that we've invested in? How can we make sure that we give them a value add and also be a value add to the project that we're in discussions with? Um, 
I don't know now if you want to jump in, uh, Andy, for a little more of the technical stuff. That's that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. So as Tony already mentioned, yeah, Peak uh, aims to provide a, a yeah, decentralized backbone for the interconnection of of machines. Yeah. So you can imagine this uh, platform uh, more like the internet of, of machines. Yeah. So you can connect smart devices and they will provide information or share data between each other. And uh, this is a data layer that uh, can be used by different user applications after, after all. Yeah. So if we go um, to the previous slide, maybe to this overview on, on page four. Here you can see um, the biggest differences between the, the current IoT world. Yeah? So I think everyone heard about this Internet of Things, uh, where devices are connected to the Internet. Um, this, this already was a, a big step, yeah? but uh, most of those systems are walled gardens yeah so you don't have access uh, to these systems unless you have a subscription or you you pay a membership fee or whatever uh, because this information this this data sets or these devices are owned by one entity yeah? it's owned by a company and uh, they can set the rules and they can also decide who gets access to this information and who don't yeah and Peak uh, has the goal to create a web-free version of IoT, yeah? and this is the economy of things, where you have a really decentralized ownership model. Uh, it's community-owned and not controlled by a single entity. Yeah? And uh, the whole concept is, is open source. Uh, you operate here in this uh, blockchain environment, and uh, you have a really transparent way to to see all uh, transactions and and also handle payments yeah? and uh, a very interesting aspect of this project is they want to uh, include the users as uh, some kind of shareholders yeah because the, today's uh, systems are uh, mainly uh, structured that the owner gets all the all the revenue all the profits yeah and the yield that is generated so if we go to the next slide i think that's a good overview also for this and <clears throat> yeah they mentioned this uh, the things in the internet of things are not your things yeah so they are owned by someone and you have not uh, direct access to this uh, real benefits and gains and uh, the Peak Network want to open up these uh, walled gardens and interconnect all those systems uh, within their platform to create uh, complete new ways uh, for communication and also for payment and also uh, yeah, enable new uh, ways to, to uh, share existing infrastructure yeah? so this is a, a real infrastructure project uh, that fits exactly our narrative and uh, when we go to the next slide um, they're focusing on four big problems they see today in the in the uh, web free world yeah with 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 new projects and uh, this is uh, the first thing um, that it's quite complex and yeah, it's it's not accessible. Yeah, so there is no interoperability. So it, mainly there is a single use case behind. And if you want to access another use case, you need an, uh, uh, another app or another provider. Yeah, so you have to sign up again to a new system to get access and that's really a barrier yeah, for the user it's it's not ideal to uh, grow the the whole market and uh, <clears throat> they want to break up these these barriers yeah, with their open platform and uh, another blocking point is that users or or yeah uh, operators of of machines have no incentive yeah, to connect their devices yeah, to a platform share the revenues or share these this yields yeah, with uh, the parties that adding value to the network itself. And um, yeah, most systems just see the, the, the users uh, simply as a customer. 
um, that has to pay and uh, they want to uh, also change this model yeah, to make uh, customers uh, shareholders, yeah, stakeholders uh, that can earn by using the, the whole uh, platform itself. Yeah. So the, the ownership model is uh, really interesting also for future aspects here. And um, yeah, we can go over, I think, to the next slide or let's jump to page number six. The first slide on page number six is a, a good overview. Um, what is what is the, the background of, of the peak network? So they, they are building in the Polkadot ecosystem. So it's it's built on substrate and they are aiming also for their own parachain. Um, afterwards, we'll see also the, the roadmap and the milestones they already achieved. So they are pretty far in their development already. And uh, they have a three main functionalities they want to provide on their platform. So the, the first one is this role-based access control. So to, to access uh, informations, to access uh, different use cases. Um, the centralized uh, functionality is this machine passports. So to, to uh, exchange information yeah, between these, these machines, each machine needs an identity. Yeah? So they created uh, this uh, self-sovereign machine identity and uh, each machine has its own, yeah, let's say, wallet within the, the whole blockchain ecosystem. And uh, a very important point is this payment uh, area. So they want also include on fiat on and off ramps yeah, to uh, make it easier for the average user yeah, to join such uh, applications. Yeah, because the, we all know it is quite complicated today to to use uh, Web3 if you are not a, a crypto native uh, person to set up wallets, to transfer uh, funds through, through an exchange, yeah, to, to get uh, some, some ETH on your wallet is, is a pretty big deal yeah, if you've never done it before. So they also want to uh, open up these uh, easy payment applications uh, to enable also new, new use cases for the, for the public users. All right, so um, yeah, I, I think that the basic the basic uh, concept behind now is Peak want to yeah, provide this platform uh, that shares the the yield or the profit of machines with their users. Yeah, so that's that's the big idea behind, and um, everyone can contribute, and uh, they are not uh, uh, application provider itself. They are a platform. So you can imagine it like the internet. Yeah? So you can build your own applications and uh, you have a, a base layer below. And this base layer is the peak network. Yeah? So they, they provide uh, software development kits. So we can uh, go over to the, the slide on page seven to see this. Um, let's take the second, the second slide on page seven with this uh, layer structure. Yeah, perfect. And uh, yeah, so they, they have on the, on the bottom layer their own uh, parachain, yeah, the blockchain for the transaction. And uh, on top of this, they offer uh, smart contracts yeah, for these machine identities, for the payment and all those uh, important stuff. Uh, they also plan to have some bridges yeah, to other blockchains as well. And uh, on top of that, they offer different uh, toolkits for software developers to create their own application on top of, of their infrastructure. Yeah? So that's that's the really exciting thing about uh, the network that it's not a, a use case itself. It's just the infrastructure that everyone can build their own application on top. Yeah, so that's that's uh, open platform and. I see thousands of different use cases uh, that uh, can participate on, on this uh, new infrastructure. So <clears throat> let's let's have a look on some examples. I think that's a good way to explain what they are aiming for. So they have, let's say, two different approaches. Yeah. So they have uh, 
use cases that are accessible today or within a short period of time, yeah, within the next, I would say, one to, to three years. And they have a, a second, more broader vision yeah, for the future. Um, let's have a look on this, on this uh, actual uh, use cases that we can uh, see today. One is uh, ride sharing, for example. Yeah? So you, you know, for example, these car sharing companies offer uh, different uh, vehicles, but you need to sign up for each uh, provider. Yeah? So it's, it's not easy yeah, to, to just grab a, a car. You need to do the paperwork first. And if you, if you are in another city, you cannot use it because maybe there is another provider for this car sharing and you don't have the membership uh, to use their uh, cars. So they want to interconnect such applications, for example, through their network. Um, a very easy and, and uh, yeah, quick uh, solution would be the, the charging application they mentioned. Um, Everyone that drives an electric uh, vehicle knows this problem. There are thousands of charging stations everywhere, but you cannot access it. Yeah? You need memberships, uh, you need uh, to sign up, you get a, a customer card to unlock the charging station. And uh, at the end, you need about 50 different memberships uh, to use all of the stations. So. These uh, world gardens in the charging uh, world uh, is, is a perfect example how Peak could interconnect those systems. And the, the idea behind is that those uh, charging network providers simply connect their chargers to the Peak network. And you can put a simple application on top of this information and the user has just one uh, one subscription to the to the peak network and can use every charging station that is connected uh, to their uh, platform so it's it, it doesn't depend who is the owner of this uh, charger it doesn't depend uh, which payment uh, provider they have do they use credit card or do you have a prepaid system so they can uh, really uh, simplify those those whole user experience in the background yeah, with, with their approach. And uh, you can use the same principle for almost every smart device. Yeah? So it, it can be in, in the parking uh, business, it, it can be uh, also for future use cases like uh, delivery systems uh, to create something like a, a Uber, a, a decentralized Uber platform yeah, for ride sharing. So it's, it's really open and up to the developers to uh, create their own ideas yeah, on top of the, of the peak network. Yeah? And that's, that's a really great approach um, to share also the, 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 uh, yeah, the revenues or the, the yields that are generated by those infrastructures uh, with the uh, community itself. Yeah? So everyone can participate. Um, they're also thinking about to, to open up uh, in, in the private sector. Yeah? So if you, for example, have your own charging station at home, uh, you can also connect it yeah? and offer it as a service yeah, to the public. So if someone sees it in the, in the charging app, then they can come to you, charge, and you will get also the uh, revenue of this. Yeah? So it, it opens up this space. And they have a very broad vision for the future. And this is also one thing that excites me uh, a lot. Um, we all know that we are facing a, a big disruption in the, in the workforce at the moment. Many jobs get replaced by machines. Yeah, so you have factories uh, replacing employees by robots, and uh, maybe in some years we see autonomous vehicles driving the trucks without a driver inside, or or a taxi uh, without a driver. And there are many use cases uh, coming up. Yeah, the machines get smarter and smarter, and uh, yeah, it's it's really difficult to keep up. Yeah. With, with the workforce here. And um, 
on the first view, it's it's a nice thing for the manufacturers, yeah, to to reduce their workforce. But on the other side, if the majority of the population is unemployed, uh, there are no customers anymore to buy products. Yeah, so the this this could bring the economy into some kind of a death spiral, and it it will collapse sooner or later. And uh, peak has a very ambitious goal yeah, to to tackle this problem uh, through their system to uh, give people ownership of these devices. Yeah, if you have, for example, a robot and it generates a value X per year, um, there will be a possibility that uh, private investors come in and uh, yeah act like a shareholder of this machine yeah so you can invest into this machine like a crowd funding and uh, when this uh, device or this machine generates yield it will be distributed to the users to the shareholders uh, of this of this uh, infrastructure and this opens up also some very interesting new use cases uh, use cases for the investment side uh, imagine you want to build a new factory for for a new production line. Um, you need some some funds yeah, to do this, and uh, Peak want to want to offer also this way for a crowd funding of uh, such new infrastructures, and uh, you don't have to go to the bank yeah for a credit. Uh, you can get this credit from the community yeah, and. It's a community-owned uh, platform and application then. And uh, so we can also share then the, the revenues and the gains from those machines that are replacing the people with the people that owns the machine. So it's, it's a very interesting approach for the future. We are not there yet. But uh, I think uh, also the, the governments are already thinking about uh, such uh, topics. Uh, maybe you have heard about this UBI, this Universal Basic Income, and uh, it, it's related to this, yeah, to, to have a platform to, to tax, for example, machines, yeah, because there are no employees anymore in, in, the, in the factories. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they are also very, very interconnected with uh, different standardization uh, groups. For example, they are part of the VDA, that's the German Automotive Association, <clears throat> and they are creating new standards, uh, for example, for the automotive uh, industry, how to interconnect those uh, applications, yeah? how to, to establish an open platform that can be used by, by every single uh, manufacturer. And uh, they have also a, a very interesting access to the European Union. There is an initiative called Gaia-X, and uh, that's also a, a very large-scale uh, uh, application in the background to create uh, yeah, a global cloud-based uh, backbone yeah, for the interconnection of uh, smart machines and they are also involved into this and uh, yeah that was also a, a very important part for us to see that they have really a, a strong network and, and really good connections into the different industries and uh, their advisor board is also very impressive and uh, I see so many use cases coming up now on top of this uh, platform and uh, I think that that will be a really great uh, long-term play for us uh, and for all <coughs> investors uh, of this of this platform yeah so that was that was more or less so the overview from the technically while individuals uh, are asking questions or thinking about questions to ask Andy uh, around the technical aspect, I'm just quickly sharing uh, some of their uh, roadmaps slash milestones. So at the moment, um, they are they have entered into the uh, Polkadot Parachain auction, and that is one of their next uh, biggest milestones for them. As if they were to win the Parachain auction. It's at that point we'll be able to know a lot more information uh, around the 
uh what was it sean the was it the how the 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 end raise no the the opening valuation i think is also partly dependent on the polka dot parachain and if they are successful in it um we have as you may know also invested in nodal which was one of the previous winners of the polka dot polka dot parachain auction um so this is something that they're working towards uh we've said that we'll assist them in any way shape or form that we can to help them win the parachain auction uh but just because nodal won it last time gives us confidence that at least individuals within the polka dot ecosystem understand to an extent the the value of the internet of things and I don't think it would be too much of a leap for them to also understand the the concept of the the economy of things. Um, there are some things on their roadmap which isn't explicit, uh, as it's still confidential. But uh, as mentioned, one of the things that we are actively doing now is setting up a conversation between uh, Peak and Orkiverse, as we feel that that's a good partnership to be able to leverage on our side and something that would also benefit Orkiverse greatly. Yeah, and maybe, Tony, you can briefly give an overview of the the backers of peak yeah so yes. these are some of their partners uh, urban impact uh, gsr master ventures uh, is probably one of the more better known ones within this space uh, but they've also got a lot of more web2 uh, investors also as uh, part of their uh, partnership um, i just want to take a look if on here they also have their advisors or, or are we not able to state their advisors currently, Sean? Um, well, you can can find some of them on on one of those websites, which keeps track of who invested and whatnot. Uh, you, you can find uh, some of them. Um, I mean, let, let's not go through them like by name, um, but they have um, they have some like, rather popular and well-known and uh, big pocket personalities out of Germany um, as advisors and as backers. And um, they have not just raised money, but they have also put in uh, 3 million euros themselves um, to build peak to what it is today. So I believe they raised like initially, like in the pre-seed round, like 800K. And then they raised, I think, like another three million, and now they raised six million. But they also put in six. Uh, they put also in three million of their own funds. And uh, someone in the in the chat was asking about uh, collaborations or partnerships which they have. Um, they do have many of them. Uh, they are included in the pitch deck which we have, but, but that's not the one which we are allow allowed to share yet. Um, but they are. Um, the tech which they have right now has already been um, built into a, a DAP and that DAP has been used by one of the largest companies in Germany which is also amongst the 10 largest companies in the world so they have very very close connections to um, some gigantic companies in the automotive and energy sector and they also already partnered with uh, various institutions in Germany. So the um, the potential which we see has you know has already made the round in uh, in some of the industry leaders. And I think um, that's probably one of the most bullish things about them, um, because having um, you know makes it very easy for them to expand over time and. Um, if you do some digging, like if you research some of the team members and if you research um, who founded uh, Peak and so on, you will find um, some of the other companies which they have ran. And one of them is a, a blockchain company, which was the first one to launch on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. And we really dug deep on, you know, on everyone who is involved in the project. We... Uh, did background checks on on all the advisors on the on the founding team and so on and you know there's there's not a piece of dirt which you can find for, you know of them there's, there's nothing which they have done wrong in the past or there's nothing on which they have failed on in the past so um, them already being in in the blockchain sector for 
I think like five years now and having already run a successful company and um, made it public in Frankfurt um, shows that these guys are not uh, newbies. Um, these are experienced people who know what they do. And they also, um, if you take a look at the board of directors, they know how to attract um, not just capital, but also knowledge and also people who have that immensely important network within the industry. Okay, let me read through some of the questions which you have collected here. Yeah. Do you remember what they told us? Um, someone was asking, uh, is it native to Polkadot and bridges to all other blockchains? Yes, they're, they're building uh, a bridge on Cosmos. Um, I've already offered them introductions to several chains. Um, they said for now. Now they should be okay, but they're happy to discuss further. Uh, at the moment, of course, their priority is the parachain auction, so they're kind of full steaming ahead on that, but they're, of course, going to make it as universal as possible and make sure it's cross-chain because they understand that if a project were to sit on one chain only, it limits them to uh, the individuals that use that chain, and that also works with their ethos because uh, I think Sav, uh, had but it's an insult. That's your name, <laughs> if anyone listening. Um, Sav mentioned, you know, would this be beneficial to companies uh, because, you know, they're sharing out their possible uh, customer base to, to other competitors. Um, that's kind of the same premise uh, as what they're doing with wanting to make sure they're on every chain is if you're not on every chain and you give everyone access to you know, let's say different vehicle uh, sharing apps, ride sharing apps, you allow for that wider base of individuals instead of, let's say I, I were to go to a foreign country, as Andy mentioned, you'd have to install the application, sign all the agreements, you know, add your card information, your all, all, this, all this data just for a few rides. And it also reduces this uh, idea where you know you may see a lot of the time that if you go to a vending machine you'd see two competitors next to each other so let's say you'd see pepsi on the left and then coca-cola on the right uh, what, what that forces you to do is not would i like a drink it's would i like a pepsi or would i like a coca-cola so they kind of forces you to decide between the two where if there were to be one of them it would be would i want to drink at all so it changes the question of would I like to, to which one should I have? And that's the same with this whole idea of uh, making, for instance, the ride sharing kind of like a one-stop shop for all these other applications. It's, okay, you know, maybe you usually have Uber, but you know what? There's a lift that's closer to you. I'm just going to jump on this lift vehicle instead. And everyone within these industries understand that it's better to kind of share that out if it makes it more accessible than close it off and th that that's something that we see within the space that's something we're uh, kind of vouching for with our investments is to make everything as accessible and as kind of interoperable as possible and peak just fits well within that narrative yeah i also think it's important to notice the common trend in terms of infrastructure and where the entire um blockchain slash decentralized narrative is moving as you have noticed um with snickerdoodle you're now getting empowered to actually own your own data and to have your own personal identity on chain and now you have in addition to that self-sovereign machines which you then actually own and you, you don't have to a big chunk of your revenues or your income um, to the providers who then make those machines accessible um, to the public. So it, it really, like all of all of this really empowers um, the like each single individual who is either owning their data, their machines, or now with Orki, you can then also own lighthouses and you can take advantage of um, pretty much participating in, in, in those different infrastructure projects. And I think all those coming together and us also introducing them amongst each other has incredible benefits for those projects individually, but also for VVV as a brand where now we can connect some of the um, biggest movers in the space and some of those companies which potentially will have 
the biggest infrastructure plays over the course of the next five to 10 years. And, you know, imagine you like early on introduced um, Facebook to WhatsApp and, you know, you facilitated them buying it, you know, one company buying the order and so on. You know, all of this is going to be incredibly valuable and VVV as a VC brand is going to get into much more demand because we're not just like providing money to those projects of, you know, a project like Peak already has enough money. You know, they, uh, the, the 100K from our side does not make any difference to them. You know, to them, the, the money is really the, the least important thing. Um, but getting all those introductions and being able to use the network of BVV and then, of course, also being able to interact with the community. And I also already spoke with them for you guys to actually test their tech these are all things which make us super, super valuable and where we simply do not compare to any of the other VCs out there. And that's also the reason why Peak made room for us in their private round, which is already fully subscribed with the $6 million, but they still made room amongst the VVV community. Uh, and a question I saw from uh, Zab was relating to this other uh, IoT project called uh, IoTA or Iota. Um, interestingly enough, never really heard of them. Uh, however, I'm quickly running through, and I also see that they're also part of the uh, Gaia X uh, European uh, initiative that Peak is as well. Um, only difference is, I, I believe that Io, Iota is a little more ahead uh, in regards to the, the overall structure of the business. Uh, but regarding partnerships, uh, it's not as clear. And I think they have a little different way of... I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that doing exactly what Peak is trying to do, um, but they are trying to... They, they say they're trying to do the, the next industrial revolution and regarding you know, the connectivity of also these, uh, these uh, Web3 machines. Um, it's interesting. I will. I will look further into this. Um, I think probably the analysts may have seen it. Um, I, I personally haven't um, before now, and yeah, I'll, I'll look more into it. But I. But seeing as they're both part of the same initiative, uh, it's clear that you know at least uh, you know governments uh, and uh, the European Union, uh, for example, is, is really pushing towards IoT solutions. Uh, so uh, this is definitely a, not a bullish indicator, but it's a good sign that the overall environment around these companies forming is positive and that there is real need and want uh, from the general uh, ecosystem for, for these projects to, to be there and to succeed. Yeah, and, and Thomas is asking about the tokenomics. Um, so we already have those. Um, but we're not allowed to share them yet. But we went through um, the evaluations and logs and vesting periods of all the different rounds. And the, the private round in which we have the opportunity to participate is um, very attractive, Like especially if you look at the difference to the public round. I think there's already like, a, and of course, some of this might depend on the, on the, the Polkadot auction. Um, but there's already a, a few access uh, between the valuation of the private round and the valuation of the public round. And overall, the FDV for what they do is not very high. So we think they have been very realistic with how they evaluated their company and have not blown up their valuation, uh, you know, compared to some of the games which we have seen, which, you know, some of the games have... FTVs of 250 million, and now you have a, an infrastructure play, which is partnered with some of the biggest companies in the world, and they have a much lower uh, FTV. That really makes the question uh, how big of a, of a potential those other projects really have. Yeah, and I'm sure once we uh, do the raise, we'll be able to offer all the information regarding the tokenomics. But until that point, until we get the green light from the peak team. Uh, out of respect, we we won't be sharing that. But as Sean said, rest assured, we we've, we've dug into it quite a bit, done a lot of uh, spreadsheets and maths and so on, and we feel that it's uh, as Sean said, valuation wise, it's very very intriguing. 
Yeah, and by the way, you know, you guys, please feel always free to ask tough question, tough questions, and to try to generate some thought and to really poke holes in everything which you say and everything which you present to you. Whenever we present your deal, like most of the times, we do not have signed the formal agreements yet. Uh, I already have it in my inbox, so it's ready to sign. Um, but we never have any incentive to force a, com uh, a deal on the community. And you guys also know we do not charge any fees for arranging those deals. So we also do not have any monetary incentive for, you know, to arrange a bad deal for you guys or to arrange a bigger ticket than we actually need. Like, you know, we can do the deals as small as we would like and we can do as little or as many deals as we like. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's, everything is always 100% up to the community. And if there's a lack of demand, if there's doubts within the community, then, you know, we will just not do the deal and we will move on to us. It's, you know, we do not put ourselves in a position where we have to do a deal. Um, and that being said, you know, we, we, did a lot of, we did a lot of research on the peak team and on the infrastructure itself. And we have uh, a lot of data, um, a lot of uh, proprietary data as well about the advisors, about the team, what they did in the past, what partners they have, and, and everything plays out. Um, but still, please always feel free to dig deep as well, do your own research, and to present us with your findings. And ideally, be as critical and be as skeptical as possible. Yeah, I see one question from uh, Michael uh, Aurora saying, the only thing I'm concerned about is bridging to chains. Not my favorite way of creating interchain connectivity. Any thoughts? Um, I think there's not many other ways around that. Um, you know, being able to connect to the different chains, of course, has the, the different use cases and different regions are interested in different types of chains as well and the speeds and whatever else. And so being able to access a wider array of uh, technologies regarding the L1s and individuals who also use those L1s uh, is, is beneficial. I know there's many people who are uh, chain-locked, if you will, uh, who prefer to hang out in individual ecosystems. So just giving that extra access is probably you know better than worse. Um, but I, I understand the idea that you could also dilute the interest across networks, and I think that's more of a, of a concern for, let's say, you know, NFT projects or for other projects that require either the return of individuals for a very specific case. But because this is more of a, an open case where you're going to have to be as flexible as possible to different companies to use the technology, I think it, it, it's probably good that they're trying to uh, connect to, to as many chains as possible. So someone has been asking what the funds are going to be used. Yeah, don't, don't, I mean, some people are saying that they need to dive in a little more. Yeah, no, completely understand. I mean, there, there's some concepts that we've been looking at recently as the, as a team in terms of companies that have taken us a while to also grasp. So don't don't be too worried if if this is a little more <laughs> difficult to 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 get on board with straight away in terms of the concept. Um, you know, I, IoT is complex as is. Uh, but I think extending that extra mile where you're also introducing the economy of things, um, yeah, I, I can understand the, the leap. So don't worry if more information is needed. As Sean said, ping us any questions you have. We'll make sure to go through all of them and we'll do our best as well, if possible, to try and get the, the team on a, on an AMA before before the raise to also be able to ask those tough questions to the, the people who need to hear it. Uh, and also Marcel, um, his his question was, so basically, let's look at e-scooters because that's what I do for work. The peak customers only need one app to use all different kinds of scooters from various providers, correct? That's at least how I get it from the website. So what incentive for companies to give the green light for that since all their software slash backend work is behind, behind made redundant? Um, again, the incentive would be they would have a larger customer base, uh, which is part of the idea, again, uh, 
jumping into that little thesis where it's better to have competitors than being the only one as you change the decision from should I have a drink, for instance, if there was just one vending machine, to what should I have to drink, be that either Coca-Cola or Pepsi. So I'm sure, I know I know this has happened to me many times and this has been, I can't remember the exact study, I'll try and find it uh, in a moment, uh, but it's the idea of being able to offer more uh, options gives you a better chance of using the app. This is the exact same premise as uh, Uber Eats or Deliveroo or Just Eat, where you'd think, why would companies want to use an application uh, where they could show all the other competitors uh, where you could just call up that company instead and make them do the delivery themselves? Uh, it just makes it ease of use from their end, and it also brings that option of, okay, what am I having for dinner today? Let me see, instead of okay, do I want to eat from that specific restaurant? And it also, of course, enforces and kind of builds on um, competition within these companies, making it better for the consumer in the end because then, you know, there are better menus out there, better deals, better whatsoever, uh, just to kind of increase that uh, awareness of those companies. And, you know, there's been many restaurants, for instance, that I've tried that I would never have walked into uh, just because it was on a delivery app like Uber Eats. Uh, so I know that it has worked for me in terms of this overarching theme. Um, and this is what they're wanting to access. But instead of just, you know, you ordering food, it's bringing all available, you know, machines there to have extra Web 2 and Web 3 use cases as well for companies say uh those quickly gretchen uh asked uh do we know the timing of the the allocation for peak for for, for vvv i think that'll be a quick one to answer um well it depends how we arrange it i will be able to tell you in a few days um because it will depend on um when you announce the liquidity pool uh, a little bit later today uh it will depend on how much funds come together on you know whether or not we do the deal, we do the funding round right away for the deal, or if we prepay the deal and then we arrange it uh, a little bit better with the phase two mint and with the rest of the marketing of BBB. So um, the infos regarding, um, let me just read the question from John. Uh, just a couple of standard investment questions. How many rounds have already occurred? how much were raised, what is our pricing, and how much are they seeking for our current round? What are they using current rounds funds for? So they, and I gave you, uh, the numbers I gave you earlier were a little bit off. So in the pre-seed sale, they raised $570,000. In the seed sale, they raised a million dollars. And now in the private sale, they already raised $6 million. And the funds of pre-seed and seed have been used for development of the tech stack, including identities, various smart contract logics, economic model, and first use cases and products with Fortune 100 customers and test nets. And the funds of the private and the funds of the community sale um, are going to be used for the token launch, full-scale public network rollout with DApps, Web3 business development, community building, marketing, and enterprise sales. And I'm not sure if I can disclose the exact numbers, but just to give you a rough idea, the seed sale valuation was at roughly 3x of the pre-seed sale and the private sale is roughly at 2.3x of the seed sale and the price of the community sale is not available yet and um, the amount of tokens is going to be like roughly 60% in the community sale than what they have allocated to the private sale. But the, the tokenomics in terms of the unlocks uh, investing schedules are, are rather attractive. Yeah, so I think you mentioned, you also answered this question, Tony, regarding the uh, would the larger companies lose revenue if they are giving out 
their IoT network to communities. Um, he he gave so the founder of Peak gave us a good example of the um, e car charging stations, where if you use the apps, it takes like thirty seconds to show you the available charging stations, and then checking that on the back end um, generates a lot of cost um, because they you know they have to go through different gateways and they have to pay fees for using them and so on. So for those companies, for those providers of those app, there are costs associated with having to do, do those checks every time. And then you also have the, the time, like the 30 seconds for the customer, which is not very pleasant. Um, so the those companies can get rid of those backend costs of having to pay for those different gateways. And the customer turn can have, um, you know, the available charging stations be shown to them within one second of having to wait a half a minute. All right, Sean, may I read out this question for you to answer? Sure. Yes, so uh, forgive me if I butcher the name. Uh, Massage, I think Massage, um, asks, guys, as much as I love IoT here, here are my two cents about Peak at this stage. One, fighting walled gardens via a decentralized ecosystem, be it casino or rides slash Uber, might be futile unless the new solutions at least promise big guys slash enterprises benefits business community. We need to make sure we are clear with cases like peak in this area. Otherwise, the big players will fight it back or build something similar with their walled gardens. Two, machine passports slash self-sovereign identity. You know, this, this is great. I love it, but it's super futuristic in my view. First, we need to have personal digital ID, SSI, adopted, although I see my machine pass embedded as an NFT in the wallet one day. Three, related to point two, the first use cases slash revenue for these projects are very remote compared to Snickerdoodle, for sure. Um, So let me start by answering number one. Of course, you're right that, you know, finding those world gardens is going to be a, a difficult task, but when they are already partnered with one of the biggest, I don't want to be too specific, but one of the biggest companies in one of the most relevant industries, you know, they are already inside those world gardens. You know, at least in, in one industry, they are already inside of those world gardens and you have to start somewhere. You're not going to disrupt uh, Uber and uh, DoorDash and all those different scooter apps all at once. You know, you have to start somewhere. And they are already inside one of those world gardens for one specific industry where I also see an incredible amount of potential. And of course, we do not expect them to succeed in breaking through all those walls in the first 12 months or in the first three years, right? This is, again, a long-term investment. But those early successes and especially, you know, them already being successful before they even trading makes me very bullish on them being able to grow at a pace where the valuations or, you know, the value of the token being reflected on the marketplace is going to um, be um, held up in value by the progress they make. You know, they are not looking into disrupting casinos or Uber right away. You know, they start with some of the infrastructure, which is already, um, and you can tell, you know, you can tell by the founding team and by the advices which they have and by the partners which they have, a lot of this is situated in Germany. And, you know, Germany is, I think Germany is like the third strongest, and I, I might be wrong on this, but, you know, it's approximately accurate. Uh, I think Germany is like the third largest economy on the planet. So a lot of what they do is already embedded in Germany and they have the right companies partnered up with where I can see them taking the concept and being able to execute on it uh, right away. And I don't think they are um, arrogant enough to try to tank on a casino or Uber, you know, companies which are probably the, the last ones to fall. I think uh, they have realized that they will go for the low-hanging hang- fruit first. And as you can see, they have already um, um, got access as one of the... Uh, they have got access as the, the first blockchain company 
to those um, I don't know how it's called in English um, to the uh, automotive association in Germany so you can already tell that you know they're going into the right direction and I think they will be able to disrupt some of the low-hanging fruits rather early and you know rather successfully because they're already working uh, with those big partners together. So I don't I don't see there being a ton of resistance in those sectors. Um, then whether or not they succeed um, early or very late with those bigger industries or with those bigger hurdles, um, you know that's yet to see. But I think with the setup of the tokenomics and with the progress they are making at the moment, you know, I don't think that there's, let me phrase it differently, you know, obviously there's always a high risk to everything, but I think the, we're taking on a realistic risk here with um, what they want to do and what they can actually achieve in reality and how likely it is to be um, facilitated over the course of the next six to 12 months where they at least, um, achieve their first couple of milestones and create the first, um, like where they get the, the first public recognition for what they're doing. And now the, the second thing, like the you know machine passports and so on, you know obviously all of that might be far away. Um, but again, we're not playing on all of these milestones to be achieved in the first six or twelve months. You know, we just have to be sure that we get right, we get in um, at the at the right valuation, and that it's likely for them to achieve all the milestones which they have set out to achieve and that the value of the token does not drop below the price which you buy in right because of that then you could just have bought in on the secondary market uh, but from my perspective this looks like a very attractive investment because of the realistic fdv because of the scale and because of the partners which they have already uh, won for their venture. Yeah, we've got another question here from Rock uh, asking, what happens in a scenario where Peak does not win a parachain slot? I think this is a good one for either Sean or Andy here. It's not going to break Peak. They, they have some, you know, some things set up where they can still proceed without winning the parachain. Um, but that's one of the risks that we take as an investor. We um, bet on them winning the parachain because obviously it would be much more beneficial for them to win and um, you know, set them up for, um, for progressing a lot faster. So this is obviously one of the gambles which you have to take. For that, we have to look at the past projects which have won those parachains where Stroud gave the example of uh, Noddle earlier. And till the founder of Peak was also very confident that they were that they will be able to secure one of those parachains. But it's one of the risks uh, which we will have to take if we take the deal. If we invest into this, then we will have to be aware that um, this is one of the unknown variables um, that come along with the investment. And you know, you know, in these cases, it's always the same. You know, you can either wait until they have won the parachain and then buy in on secondary. And this is obviously hypothetically, right? So you can either buy in early before the thing is a safe bet and then you get in for a cheaper price or you can wait until they have won the parachain and then you have to buy in at the premium. You know, it's always the same. It's always um, those taking on risks have the cheapest price to buying in. You know, the same for the pre-seed pre investors. They all obviously got in at the uh, lowest valuation because they took on the most risk. Then the seed investors got a three times higher valuation because they have already been de-risked de de by the uh, prior investors. And then the same holds true for the prior round. And then it's even more true for the community round. So... Uh, you know, I think it's it's important to be aware of the mindset which you have to have as an investor, where you always put your money on the founding team and on the, on the overall vision and concept of the project itself. Plus, obviously, its advisors, its partners, and so on. But nothing in which we invest in like is a safe bet. There's there's always like uh, a plethora of unknown variables and a thousand a thousand things which can go wrong. But with all the investments which we have made so far, 
we only need one of those to take off and to do the right thing and to be successful where that single investment is then easily going to pay for all the other ones. And um, given the amount of research which we put in and given the quality of the founders of each of those projects which we have invested in, I think the likelihood of multiple of those succeeding is rather high. Uh, and whilst you read through uh, some more questions, Sean, I'll quickly point out that on the Peak Network uh, website under Ecosystem, they do label Audi as one of their partners. Um, they also label the of official German Automotive Association and the uh, ITSA, which is the International Token Standardization Organization. And if I remember correctly, which r references one of the questions from Strider, uh, I think ITSA is working with regulators in Europe. Again, don't quote me on that. I th I'm pretty sure that's a case. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I've read, read, read that somewhere as well. I think it's like an association for something that's going on within Europe. Yeah, so in terms of them making sure that they're in a good position uh, for Europe uh, and if they you know, begin to change their mind, which...